Okay, so Election Day was two days ago. Today is November 10th. Election Day was Tuesday the 8th. And since then, uh, a lot more has become clearer to most of us. Um, most of us who look at these issues carefully every day and follow them. And even to those who casually observe, certain things are, are starting to gel and make sense. We're also learning more factually about certain races. Um, and we're going to cover all of that in today's podcast to tell you some of the bad things, but some of the very, very good things that not only were good in this election cycle, but portend even greater, bigger, and better things for conservatives, the Republican Party, and those who love freedom in America for our very near future. Hi, everyone. I'm Jamie Dury, and welcome to another episode of the Jamie Dury Show podcast. If you've not already done so, <clears throat> please subscribe to the show, and you can do so in one of several easy ways. You can either go to the Google Play Store or the iTunes App Store, and you can simply search out the Jamie Dury Show podcast, or you can download the free Podbean app in either of those two locations. And subscribe that way. Whichever way you decide to subscribe, you will be able to leave comments, leave reviews, uh, recommend us to other people, and we please ask that you do all of the above, uh, as well as listen regularly yourself. And please tell others about us. You can also email me directly at jamiedury1776 at gmail.com if there's a question you would like me to uh, address or a topic you'd like me to do a show on, please don't hesitate to do that. So <clears throat> many people were very upset with uh, Tuesday's election because they didn't think that the red wave that was predicted was as big as it should have been. Still others <clears throat> were upset with President Donald Trump, suggesting that he was the reason that the red wave wasn't big enough. Still, there were others in the Democratic Party who maintained that there was no red wave at all. Nancy Pelosi is uh, still refusing to concede that she lost the House. But she did lose the House. So we're going to make sense of a lot of these things. First of all, Rick Santorum who I was watching on Election Eve on Newsmax, said something which may very well become very prophetic for the future. Um, it was a very colorful metaphor. He said, in order to have a wave, you have to have water. You have to have fluidity. And what's apparent, or what was apparent to him, <clears throat> based on the facts that so many incumbents won uh, and did not lose, is that the electorate is frozen in terms of their parties. Everyone is wedded and digging in to support their party, regardless of whether logic or facts indicates that you should. <clears throat> so let's cover the negative stuff first. As the late, great General Douglas MacArthur was fond of saying, good news can wait, bad news can't. So let's get the bad news out of the way, because the good news, in my opinion, is very good. Let's take, for example, my own home state of New York. Absolute ruination and a death sentence was visited upon the state of New York as a result of the election results 
this past Tuesday. At the local level, at the federal level, no. We now have no Democratic Congress representatives anywhere on Long Island. Now, Long Island, for those of you who are not from New York, holds a substantial population in Nassau and Suffolk County. There used to be always some Democrat from Long Island. There are now no Democrats from Long Island. In New York, uh, they are all Republicans, which is going to go a long way towards tipping the balance uh, of the House. But from a state legislative standpoint, the city is now a sewer. Forget the fact, well, let's not forget the fact. A woman who was unelected, unqualified, and unrepentant for the damage she did to the city and the state with bail reform, even to the extent of running commercials, defending bail reform. So if anyone thinks they voted for someone who's going to fix the problem, you can never fix a problem by voting for the very people who created the problem. You just can't. She's not going to. She's going to make the problem worse. If, if by nothing else, than doing nothing about it to fix it. But I suspect she will bring even more misery. And that's going to be aided by the fact that four ballot initiatives in the city of New York were, were pay, actually three ballot initiatives in the city and one big one statewide. So let's dig into those. By the way, Lee Zeldin only lost by 300,000 votes, which is remarkable in this climate, given the number of Republicans who have left New York because of these stupid COVID lockdowns and the economic blight that struck the state in its wake. Uh, If those 350,000 people who left New York were still here, he probably would have been elected governor, but I'm sure they're much happier where they are. So here are the three big ballot initiatives, and these are survivors of uh, de Blasio. One, add a critical race theory spouting preamble to the city's charter, promising to remedy, quote, past and continuing harms. These include putting criminals in prison to give a sense of how non-harmful they are, so we can't put them in prison anymore. Doubtless via efforts to do things like end all merit-based academic admissions in public schools, and hand out reparations to groups with sufficient political pull. Surely that won't cost us anything. Second, now this I love, establish a racial equity office plan and commission. In other words, an unaccountable administrative apparatus to execute at maximum cost the destructive ideas in the new charter preamble. This is from the New York Post, who uh, really captured the sense of these initiatives. And last, as far as the city initiatives go, force the city to come up with a so-called true cost of living that ignores um, the very substantial subsidies that we already give to the needy, which is among the biggest available anywhere in this nation, and uh, at the expense, of course, of the 
current tax-paying population of the city, which shrinks with each passing year as more people flee and more welfare recipients move in. So they're going to punish them with even more taxes to fund this lunacy. Now, if that wasn't enough, the statewide initiative, of which there was only one on the ballot this year, also passed. This ballot initiative gives the go-ahead to Albany, that means Hochul and the legislature, to borrow and spend, are you ready for this, another $4.2 billion on green initiatives, green nonsense, including more than $1 billion on climate change mitigation. Now, you and I both know they can't do anything to mitigate climate change. And the real sad truth is that there is no climate change. Now, before you all say, oh, my Lord, he's out of his mind. Well, let me just explain one thing to you that you may not have been told, my friends. All of this climate change that you've been told has been happening is not based on the actual climate data gleaned from the weather. These are all based on computer models, computer predictions of what might happen with the climate. Now, this climate change is global warming, they used to call it, first came out in the late 90s with um, Al Gore. And it was Earth in the balance, and we had 10 years and all that. And it predicted that the global temperatures would rise over the 10 years. The problem was, from, 2000, from 1998, 1999, around 2000, all the way to about 2010, there was no appreciable or measurable change in the world global climate that anyone could discern. Basically, static, no change. So this runs counter to what the models predicted. Well, if the models that you're basing this climate change uh, disaster on didn't pan out because they were invalidated by the actual temperatures that took place over that 10-year period, why do you continue to abide by them? So there is no climate change. That's the first thing. Second thing, there are no more storms. They're basically the same number of hurricanes we've always had, actually fewer, just they devote more coverage to them. And they may happen in slightly different areas, but there really is no substantial change that can't be explained by the natural evolution of a climate, natural evolution of a planet, quite apart from any actions or efforts by man. That's the first thing. But notwithstanding, in a state which is now in f fiscal insolvency, where the governor is telling what few Republicans are left that they should move and go to a red state because um, they're not New Yorkers anyway, just go ahead and chase them out to shrink the tax base even more. But hey, I'm all for that because the people that remain are going to be all these blue lunatics that voted for these idiots. Um, and they deserve to pay these taxes. So how else can we explain with all this crime that's going on and the fiscal problems of New York and businesses going under, how can we explain the people returning the current cast of comedians back into power? Fear tactics, but mostly a shrinking Republican electorate as a result of exodus due to the policies that the people that have been in power for the past 12 years have visited upon us.
That would have been Andy Il Duce Cuomo, and now continued by Kathy Hochul the Hoople. <clears throat> now, Kathy Hochul is going to wind up regretting making that statement that you should leave New York, because that's going to be the good news we're going to get to in a moment. Uh, but a lot of fear-mongering also went on. And to you women out there, and I do admire and respect women, but I just want to say something, and listen to the entirety of my remark before you criticize me. Any of you who put aside all of the problems the state of New York has been suffering at the hand of these people, who nonetheless voted or were convinced or duped into voting for them solely because of the abortion issue, shame on you, and you've been hustled, and I'm going to tell you why. New York has always had abortion laws, laws permitting abortion. New York is always going to have laws permitting abortion. Even when 49 states didn't have laws allowing abortion, New York State did. Now, most of you young ladies are not old enough to remember that, and either you didn't bother to go look at the history of it, or no one bothered to tell you, or a combination of both. But the Supreme Court decision that you've been told outlawed abortion did no such thing. All it did was state that abortion is not something that's guaranteed as a right under the federal constitution. It did not state that individual sovereign states could not grant a woman the right to abortion. And there are a slew of states in this country that have no intention of changing their laws on abortion to outlaw it. States like New York and New Jersey and Massachusetts and Illinois and California and Colorado and Vermont and Maine, and it goes on and on and on. Abortion is not going away, but especially in New York. So anybody who thinks that they save their right to abortion, uh, you paid for something with a sink of crime as the price tag that you already had given to you. You didn't have to do it. So if you did it because you thought you needed to do it, you were lied to, and you were lied to in a very, very big way. So I hope you're going to be happy with your quality of life over the next four years. So what's the good news in all this? Well, the Arizona governor race, which I was watching very closely, everybody thought that Katie Hobbs was going to win. We just learned today that a number of Republicans who had asked for mail-in ballots and as things heated up, began to have a great distrust. Great distrust in whether these ballots would actually make it to Arizona uh, to be counted. Wound up dropping them off on Election Day. And those are never counted on Election Day. They're counted after. Just like absentee ballots are usually counted after the polls close. 384,000 of those ballots have been dropped off, and none of them have been counted. Now, in Maricopa County, 70,000 such ballots were dropped off. 70% of them were for Kerry Lake. If that number holds for the rest of the state, even if Kerry Lake gets only 60% of those 384,000, the Arizona governor's race is over. Kerry Lake will be the next governor. So there's a lot 
to be thankful for. And since Arizona was one of those states where a lot of chicanery went on in the 2020 election, it'd be nice to know that we have an honest, tough Republican governor there to make sure that such chicanery doesn't take place in the 2024 presidential election. But there are still people who can't keep uh, from blaming Donald Trump for the GOP's ills or for the lack of a red wave. John Potteretz in the New York Post wrote something today about Trump. What Tuesday night's results suggest is that Trump is perhaps the most profound vote repellent in modern American history. Excuse me, Mr. Potteretz, you might want to tell your readers that Mr. Trump endorsed 183 candidates nationwide, 174 of whom won. How he's a voter repellent is quite beyond me. And of course, you didn't bother to wait to hear what happened in Arizona. You're probably automatically assuming that he lost, and you're probably automatically assuming uh, that Herschel Walker is going to lose. You're just a naysayer because you want to be. Donald Trump is still the most powerful, popular figure in Republican politics. And if you can't secure your base, you can't run for anything. So please don't tell me about he's a voter repellent and all this stuff. You just don't know what you're talking about. But there's going to be something good coming out of of all of this. And I spoke about it yesterday, but I really want to hit it home today. And that is, if anything, Santorum had it right. Any of these difficulties with these midterm elections that may not have gone as powerfully for the Republicans or went for the Republicans at all as people thought they were going to, has nothing to do with Donald Trump. It has more to do with the polarization of the electorate. And the change in the electoral map, the population patterns in these states as as a consequence of so many people moving from these blue states where we thought we were going to make inroads bigger than we did in red waves. New York is a case in point. Lee Zeldin lost by 300,000 votes. 350,000 people left New York. 350,000 voters for parts south, Florida. Texas. If those people were still here, it might have been a different election in a lot of ways, but they're not. But it's going to be a different election in many ways in the future as a result of them moving. Because here's the thing that the Democrats are going to soon realize, and they're going to be screaming like stuck pigs, and you're going to see renewed calls for the abolition of the Electoral College, because their own stupid policies and their own empty, hollow hollow rhetoric their lockdowns, their COVID mismanagement is going to be their undoing. All of the red states in this country, all of the purple states, are now redder than they were a few years ago as a result of this migration that they forced people to do. They gave them no choice, so they forced them to leave. All of the blue states are now bluer than they were two years ago. The big difference is the red and purple states are redder because of population increases. 
the bluer states are bluer because of population decreases on the part of red voters. What this means is that going forward, as more and more census, um, censuses are taken, the blue states, having lower population than they had in the past, are going to have even a lower amount of congressional representation, resulting in a lower number of electoral votes. So states like New York and New Jersey and Massachusetts and all these states that are suffering population decline, California, are going to be less and less influential in getting towards that 270 magic electoral figure to get into the Oval Office. States like Florida, which as recently as when George Bush ran, had, I think, about 23 or 25 electoral votes, now has over 30. New York, which had 38 electoral votes, I think, when I was voting for Ronald Reagan back in the day, now has only about 25. Population decrease. California is going to see a decrease too. Texas now, I think, has 40. Florida is going to have over 30. Those two states alone are redder than they've ever been in recent years. That's going to give you 70 electoral votes out of the 270 you need, which is eclipses and neutralizes the current 54 electoral votes in the state of California. And I haven't checked California as a result of this census. They may have lost uh, some electoral votes as a result of people leaving uh, California during, during COVID. So they may not have 54 anymore. In Florida, Governor Ron DeSantis and Senator Marco Rubio flipped Miami-Dade County as recently as two years ago. Miami-Dade County went for Joe Biden by 52% to 46% for Donald Trump, even though Trump carried Florida. This year, Rubio and DeSantis carried Miami-Dade County by more than 52%. I think it was 53 or 54. Unheard of. So Florida's gotten redder. It is not a purple state. Texas has gotten redder. The uh, uh, dreams of the Democrats to flip Texas are becoming pipe dreams. So all that the Democrats have wished for, the success of their agendas uh, in their respective states, are going to prove to be their undoing. Because I've said this before, ladies and gentlemen, just because the news media is nothing more than an echo chamber for the Democratic Party and, and liberal ideas. Because the news media tell you that people want bail reform, that people think it's a good idea, that people want um, more um, leftist policies, that they want higher taxes, that they want drag queen story time for their kiddies in school, that they want sex education in kindergarten, just because uh, they tell you all that they want transgender rights. Just because the news media tells you this is what the American people want doesn't make it so. The American people do not want these things. The reason why it appears so is because the media is composed almost entirely of college-educated Democrats. And the only voter demographic group that says the media speaks for them and that they agree with the media are also college-educated Democrats. High school-educated Democrats, high school-educated Republicans, college-educated Republicans, college-educated independents, uh, high school-educated independents. None of those five groups 
say that the media speaks for them or that they agree with the media. So the Democratic media is nothing but Democrats speaking to Democrats, college-educated Democrats speaking to college-educated Democrats. It does not measure up or constitute uh, or square with reality. And you're seeing it now as people are leaving these states. Freedom-loving Americans, family-value Americans are leaving these liberal bastions and moving to red states where life is more... um, reminiscent of what they knew when they were growing uh, growing up. My wife and I already decided that once our son graduates high school, we are gone from the state we were born in and grew to love, the state of New York, because it is now unrecognizable to us, as is the city we live in, New York City. It is not the city I knew. It's not the city my wife knew. I'm sure it's not the city many of you knew. So we're going to be leaving. And this phenomenon is not going to stop anytime soon. This phenomenon is going to continue. And the red states are going to continue to get even more red. And the blue states are going to continue to get even more blue. But again, it's not going to be because people are moving to the blue states. It's because people are moving out of the blue states and to the red states. And if these election numbers that we're seeing now in places like Florida and Texas or any indication of what's to come, it is clear that the people who did move were red voters, not blue voters. So we don't have any danger of blue voters coming to these red states and screwing them up by voting for the same sort of idiots that ruined the place they came from and left it in ruin. Now, Victor David Hansen has said the same thing. And I was informed of that this morning um, by a friend of mine as I was explaining to him just what I'm explaining to you. And he said, you know, Victor David Hansen said the same thing. I said, I'm so glad. I'm glad to think I'm not the only one saying this. He's saying that what's going to happen if this trend continues, and I believe it will, that the red states will continue to thrive, more people will continue to go to them, and the blue states will fail. They won't be able to pay their bills. They won't be able to provide for their people. This $4.2 billion ballot initiative uh, for green preservation and climate change in the state of New York, it's great to authorize yourself to borrow $4.2 billion and sell $4.2 billion in debt. Where are you going to get the money when you have to pay that debt when it comes due? From the people? The people who are no longer here? Because welfare recipients don't pay taxes, so you can't get it from them. Where are you going to get it from? going to cry on the shoulders of uh, the federal government and ask them to bail you out? Don't count on it. As all these red states get redder, there are far more red states. Remember, ladies and gentlemen, there are far more red states than blue. The only thing that's kept the blue in power is the fact that they've had the population, so therefore they had the electoral votes. If this population shift continues, they don't have the population anymore, and they won't have the electoral votes anymore. So it'll be a different land in Congress. And I'm glad if that happens, because that will bring things back to where they should have been. Because if certain changes were never made in the United States Constitution, we wouldn't have this problem to begin with. Most of you don't know that up until about 100 years ago, you didn't vote for your U.S. senators. Because U.S. senators were never created to represent you, the people of this country. 
They were created to represent the entities, the states from which they were from. That's why every state gets two senators, regardless of population. Because as a sovereign state, they're on equal footing with each other. California is no more powerful, no more important in the constitutional scheme of things than Vermont, where no one lives. Because they're equal shareholders, they're equal partners in this federal system that we have. The House of Representatives, on the other hand, has always been known as the House of the People, the People's House, because we get representation based on the population in our state. So how were the senators chosen in the past? They were chosen by the legislatures in the states that they represented. And since the overwhelming number of legislatures in these states today are red, we would have a very red U.S. Senate. Now, it's clear that people changed the law because they wanted to undermine the system. But now through their own stupidity and their own avarice and their own greed and their own um, need to demonize and control a population that opposes them, they have foisted upon themselves a reconfiguration of the American electorate, a redistribution of the population of this country in such a fashion that the red states are going to become more and more powerful in the coming years, and the bluer states are going to fade into obscurity. So even though we'll be voting for our U.S. senators, the makeup of the U.S. Senate may start to begin to look more like it would if they were still selected by the state legislatures the way the founding fathers always intended it. Wouldn't that be something? Wouldn't that be something? Take heart, my friends, because good times, they are a-coming. For the Jamie Dury Show podcast, I'm Jamie Dury.